This message by Mike Pluniak was recorded during a Sunday celebration service for Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. Mike serves as a pastor on staff at Cornerstone Church. Psalm 1. I'm going to read the first psalm this morning. If you're reading uh, along in our Bible reading plan this year, you just read this yesterday. So it should be fresh on your mind. Happy New Year, by the way, 2022. It's that time of year once again for New Year's resolutions. I don't usually make resolutions, but I do love hearing what people are thinking about. I enjoy looking at resolutions because it's kind of the time of year around New Year. I don't know when this started, but causes, reflection. People are thinking about their lives. They want to improve their lives. A new year, they want new beginnings. And so I looked up last year, 2021, what were the top 10 resolutions people made? I don't think you'll be surprised by some of these. Number 10 was to cut down on alcohol. Number 9 Quit smoking, which 10 years ago was number two, so either less people are smoking or less people care about it as much as they did before. I don't know. Number nine. Number eight, reduce stress on the job. Number seven, improve performance on the job. I feel like those might be competing with one another, you know, eight and seven. Number six, spend less time on social media, which is climbing the polls every year. Number five, live more economically. Number, the top four have basically been the same. Number four, lose weight. Number three, spend more time with family and friends. Number two, eat healthier. And then number one, almost always, is exercise more. Most of these are consistent year to year. The social media one is new and climbing. But just thinking about that, I was thinking about what people, how they want to improve their lives. I don't think any of those are bad things. They're all things that people will believe, that believe will make them happier. Most of them having to do with healthier bodies, other ones having to do with using our time better. But people desire to improve their lives. They want to be happy. They want to be blessed. I have good news for you today. Psalm 1 tells us where we can find this happiness, where we can find the blessed life this year, how we can grow. And it really just gives us, it doesn't give us a top 10 list of things that we need to do this year to make our lives better. It really just gives us one thing to do this year that can have massive benefits for your soul. So look with me at Psalm 1. This is God's word for us today. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, But his delight is in the law of the Lord, 
And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. And its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. This is God's living and active word which revives the soul and makes wise the simple. Blessed is the man. To be blessed biblically is to be happy. God created us to glorify Him and enjoy Him. The blessed life is all about enjoying God and being happy in Him. And Psalm 1 shows us how to find this happiness this year. So here is the main point I think the Lord has for us this morning. Our soul prospers when planted by the river of God's Word. Our soul prospers when planted by the river of God's Word. Last week, Jake instructed us from Psalm 19 about what God's Word is and what it does in our hearts and our lives. And today, the focus is how can we access that? How do we apply that to our lives? How do we plant ourselves by this life-giving river that God promises this prosperity for our soul and these blessings and this happiness. It's what we want. It's what we desire this year. And Psalm 1 tells us how we can get there. But the first thing he does is he shows us where not to plant ourselves. Point number one, our soul suffers when planted in worldly counsel. It's very interesting how all the Psalms begin. Before he tells us what we do to find this blessed life, he begins by telling us where not to go. And he gives us three negatives. Look at verse 1 again. Blessed is the man. Okay? And then he begins by telling us where not to go to find this blessing. Who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in in the seat of scoffers. And recognize what the psalmist says. The wicked have counsel. They are speaking. They are counseling you. The wicked are counseling you. We live in a time of many words. One author described it as a world that can't stop talking. It used to be for Christians that the world were those people that we interacted with every day, those that we came in contact with. And then it expanded to be maybe the newspapers you'd read once a day, or maybe a radio station or a TV show. But the world has grown. The information, the amount of time, the, the, the amount of our waking lives that we spend taking in information all day is massive. Right now, there are 1.9 billion websites on the internet with a quarter of a million added every single day. 
102 trillion emails sent this year. I can't even fathom like how many that is. Three billion blog posts, three trillion YouTube videos watched this year. The average American spends five and a half hours every day looking at their phone. On top of that, they spend four and a half hours watching shows and movies on TV. It comes out total to about 11 hours a day. We are, we are staring at a screen. And all of that is information. Whether we're reading the news or we're on social media, whether we're on Instagram and we're looking at pictures of other people or how they're spending their lives or whether we're watching shows or YouTube videos and not all of it's bad. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying this is what we do on an average day. We have all these words coming at us, all this information and it all has a message. It all has values behind it. It all has something it's saying to us. There are values and beliefs being projected for us. There's lots of counsel you are taking in every day. And here's, here's the danger with so much information coming at us. Listen to what C.J. Mahaney says. He says, Today, the greatest challenge facing American evangelicals is not persecution from the world, but seduction by the world. We talk a lot about persecution, and, and, and it's not saying that persecution is not coming at us. We talk about that. I think it is probably coming our way, but it's really what's, what's deceptive. It's the seduction by the world that we're in right now. And that's what Psalm 1 is warning us about, being seduced by the world. I kind of picture it like this stream of information flowing down this river, and it is gaining steam. I mean, there is more water being added to this river. It is picking up speed. And if we sit down and we plant ourselves at that stream of information, and we just sit there soaking it up without any discernment, Psalm 1 is warning us this is not the way to the blessed life. This is not the way to enjoy God. Psalm 1, we see a progression of going deeper into a way of thinking. Notice in verse 1 that he tells us not to, he, the person here that he's personifying begins by walking in this council. And next he's just standing in the way of sinners. And then finally, he's sitting down in the seat of scoffers. It's a progression of thinking and then behaving and then belonging. And we just see this progression. This person is slowing down. They're walking and they're, they're beginning to take in this counsel and they're beginning to think a certain way. And they slow down and then they're standing with these sinners and, and they're behaving. They're, their thinking leads to how they behave. And then all of a sudden, they're just seated down and they belong there. It shows how we conform to our culture. We begin thinking. We receive their counsel. We take their counsel in. We begin thinking differently. And then we behave differently. And then we begin belonging. And we think and believe what they believe. And I've seen many people go down this road. This progression into worldliness. And their soul suffers. That's what the psalmist is warning about. Our souls suffer 
This is a great time of year to just sit down and think, is my soul suffering because of the counsel that I'm receiving? Am I beginning to think and belong to this, this worldly counsel? Listen again to C.J. Mahaney as he talks about this worldliness. He says, a love for the world begins in the soul. It's subtle, not always immediately obvious to others, and often undetected by the people who are slowly succumbing to its lies. It begins with a dull conscience and a listless soul. Sin does not grieve him like it once did. Passion for the Savior begins to cool. Affections grow dim. Excitement lessens for participating in the local church. Eagerness to evangelize starts to wane. Growth in godliness slows to a crawl. It's God's kindness to give us Psalm 1 this morning. To kind of warn us, this is not the way to the joy that we seek in God. And to ask ourselves, ask yourself this morning, how am I doing in my soul? How's my soul doing this morning? How is your soul doing right now? Does it feel listless? Does it feel lethargic? How is your conscience? Is it sharp or has it been dulled? Does sin grieve you? How is your passion for the Savior? How is your affection for God? Are you excited to tell others about Christ? To serve others in the local church to care for them? Are you growing? Are you growing to enjoy God more? People evaluate and plan for the new year. I think these are the categories that matter the most to us. These should be the categories that we look at at the beginning of the year. How is my soul doing? Am I enjoying God? Am I delighting in Christ? Am I excited this year to, to serve others and tell others the good news of the gospel? Or are you planting yourself in worldly counsel? Because the psalmist says this is not the way to the blessed life, to plant ourselves in worldly counsel. Our soul suffers when planted in worldly counsel, and our soul prospers when planted by the river of God's word. Point number two. So we see the first one is where not to go to find this blessing. Number two is meditation plants us by God's river. There's another river that's flowing of God's word. And the psalmist is saying, this this is where you want to be. This is where you want to live. This is where you want to plant yourself. And the one thing he gives us to do is to meditate on God's word. Look at verse 2 and verse 3 once again. So, so this is where the blessing is not in this worldly counsel, but verse 2, his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a, a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither. In all that he does, he prospers. You see, the psalmist is contrasting the counsel of the wicked with the law of the Lord. Everything Jake talked to us about last week, all these promises of what God's Word promises to do inside of us. There's two voices you can listen to. 
Even this month, if you're doing the Bible reading plan, you're going to begin reading through Proverbs. And over and over again, you're going to see that Solomon is saying there's these two voices calling out in the streets. There's wisdom and there's folly. And they are both loud. And they're calling out and they're trying to get you to come and to listen to them. Which voice are you going to listen to? Which voice is going to be louder this year in your ears? Because right now, the volume, the world's volume is loud. I just feel like it's growing every year. It is pervasive. It is constantly in our face. It's just constantly coming at us and the volume gets louder and louder and louder. And our desire is we want God's word to be louder in our lives. And so the psalmist is saying the way to turn up the volume of God's word in your life is to meditate on it, to soak it in, to enjoy it, to spend unhurried time in God's word, to meditate on the law of the Lord day and night. Meditation has become popular once again. I don't know if you've seen this. Uh, I've seen meditation all over the place recently. And I want to distinguish between the kind of meditation that's becoming popular and what Psalm 1 is calling us to do this year. So I want to be, I want us to spend time, unhurried time, explaining what does it mean to meditate day and night on the law of the Lord. Because meditation is a big deal right now. There are celebrities promoting meditation and professional athletes and employers and they're practicing meditation in school classrooms right now. I was talking to one guy who has a kid in elementary school and he was just telling him how his son is describing their daily meditation every day in class and what they're doing and what they're meditating on and uh, the father was asking me about it and I said that's that's a different kind of meditation than what we're called to do in God's Word. Right now, there are over 5,000 meditation apps that you can download, all created in the last five years. Listen to the names of just a few of these 5,000. Calm, which is the most popular with 100 million downloads. Headspace. Balance with the tagline, Meditation That Adapts to You. My Life Meditation, Meditation Mist with the tagline, Take Some Time for Yourself, Mesmerize, Harmony Hypnosis, that one terrifies me just a little bit, I don't know what that means, Smiling Mind, 10% Better, I thought, I don't even know what that one was, but I thought, why 10%, you know, 10% Better, Uh, Better Me is a very popular one, Better Me. You know, I don't want to open that up every day at all. I just, you listen to the names and you should immediately discern the difference in what Psalm 1 is calling us to meditate on and this kind of meditation that is popular today. These apps and this form of meditation the world is promoting is all about self. Really, the focus is you. That's what you're meditating on. You're focused on yourself. You're focused on emptying yourself. You're focusing on calming yourself. You're focusing on relaxing yourself. You're focusing on taking some time for yourself. And I'm not against relaxation. I'm not against calm. But I do think if, if, if the goal is to turn inward, that's not what Psalm 1 is calling us to do. 
When Psalm 1 tells us to meditate, it's not saying think about yourself and turn inward. It's saying to meditate is to turn upward and outward. We're thinking about something else. We're thinking about something greater than ourselves. We're thinking about something more important than ourselves. We're thinking about God and Christ and the Holy Spirit. The last thing I need more in my day is more Mike Pluniak. I don't need any more Mike Pluniak in my day. I need God. I, you, you don't need him either. I understand. You need Christ. You need the Spirit. I need truth. I need my eyes lifted. I need my affections warmed. I need to know about God and who He is and what He's done and what Christ has done to save me from my sins and He rose from the dead. I need my attention drawn away from myself. That's what Psalm 1 is calling us to do, to meditate on the law of the Lord, to delight in that. It's not turning us in, it's turning us up and out. Biblical meditation, like Psalm 1, is very different than what this world's meditation is. It's about filling your mind and your heart with truths about God. Instead of being passive, it's a very active activity. We're doing something. We're not just sitting back and waiting. We are actively using our minds to think about God. Meditation, biblical meditation, is the activity of thinking over and dwelling on and interacting with and applying God's Word. It's, it's a means of communion with God. That's the goal. We want to know Him. We want to, to be with Him. We want to spend time with God. It's spending unhurried time each day for God to tell us this is what's true. This is what's most important. This is what I'm like. This is why you can trust me today. As you go into your day and you face trials and work and parenting and school and relationships, all these things, here's who I am for your day. Here's why you can trust me today. That's what meditation does. Donald Whitney calls meditation the missing link for many Christians. And this is how he defines meditation. He says meditation is deep thinking on the truths and spiritual realities revealed in Scripture for the purposes of understanding, application, and prayer. It's a means of grace to bless your soul this year. And just think, it, it, look at that definition. It's deep thinking. It means we have, to, we have to use our minds. We have to spend unhurried time. We have to pray. We have to be undistracted and unhurried to meditate on God's Word. This is what David Mathis says about this. He says, in meditation, we pause and reflect over His words, which we have read, heard, or studied. We roll them over in our minds and let them ignite our hearts. We warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. That's what the Puritans would say. We warm ourselves at the fire of meditation. I love that picture. Just God's word and we're just warming ourselves by it. We go deep in God's revelation. Take it into our very souls. And as we're being changed by truth, we respond to him in prayer. Meditation is deep thinking. It's reflection. 
It's going deep in God's revelation. It's not an instantaneous thing. It's the opposite of how the internet feeds our brains. That's why I think it's hard for us to do this today. It's a spiritual discipline. We have to work at it and spend time on it. It takes effort on our part and planning and preparation to be able to enjoy God's word like this. Meditation is a process. It's not instantaneous. With all this screen time and technology, our brains are learning to take in information in these quick, instantaneous bursts. We're switching topics and tasks several times a minute. The way the web delivers information, it intentionally teaches us to skim rather than to study. Everything on the internet wants us to just skim across the surface and move on to the next thing as fast as humanly possible. It doesn't want us to go deep. It doesn't want us to reflect and to stay in one place and to think deeply. That's not what it's designed to do. Even bloggers nowadays, I've shared this before, but it just, it's amazing to me. Bloggers are told to limit their blog posts to 250 words. That's, they said, this is kind of the common wisdom out there. That is the average attention span of someone reading your blog, 250 words. Okay, the average American reads 250 words in one minute, which means the average attention span is exactly one minute long. That's how long they have to capture your attention. Because they know that you're moving on to something else. You're going to click on the next link. Even the websites, you know this. But everything is designed to keep you clicking and moving and seeing the next thing and grabbing your attention. Because the more clicks, the more advertising, the more dollars they get. It's all designed this way. And Psalm 1 is giving us a different vision. The blessed life is the one who meditates on the law of the Lord. You can't just skim. You can't just fly on to the next thing. It's, it's deep thinking. It's reflection. Spending time with the Lord. It's planting ourselves by God's river and just staying there. Enjoying God. Soaking it up. Letting it color the way we see the world. Praying through all the things we have coming up that day. Praying for our family and friends and our burdens and taking those things to the Lord. And bringing God's word to bear on our lives. To do that, we have to meditate on it. We have to chew on it and, and apply it to our hearts and pray through it. We want to soak in God's Word. This is the illustration Donald Whitney uses. I love this. Like a tea bag in hot water. That's the picture he uses. If you just dip a tea bag, if you ever made tea, if you just dip the tea bag in the water and pull it right out, it's really going to be no flavor. You're just drinking hot water at that point. He says to get the flavor out of the tea, you let it soak. You let it steep. You leave it in there. And the longer you leave it in there, the stronger it gets. You get more flavor out of the tea the longer it's in there. That's the same way it is with God's Word. We don't want to just skim. We don't want to just dip it in and jump right back out. We want to soak. We want to sit there and enjoy it and think about it and think about our hearts and how we can apply it to our lives and pray through it and enjoy it. And through meditating on God's Word and on God Himself, we're pushing back against the distraction and the, the, the rush of our culture. And we're cultivating this slow, unhurried communion with God. 
And God is teaching us. He's making us wise. He's reviving our souls. He's encouraging us. That's what Psalm 19 promised to us last week. Here's how we get there. Here's how we enjoy the benefits of Psalm 19. We meditate on God's Word. The goal is to know God and to worship God and to love God. By the way, this, this is what the Holy Spirit uses us to help us commune with God. The Holy Spirit and God's Word are not at odds with each other. The Spirit is the author of the Word. And so as we are meditating on God's Word, the Spirit is speaking to us. The Holy Spirit is using that to fill our hearts. This is what it means to be filled with the Spirit of God, to speak God's Word and to let it color the way we see things. The Spirit loves using God's Word to grow us and to change us to be more like Christ. So the question this year really for for us is, can we meditate? Can we slow down? Can we enjoy God's Word? Can we put away the distractions and enjoy time with God? The blessings on our soul. There's so many if we can do that this year. Listen to David Wells. This is a longer quote from his book, God in the Whirlwind. But it's so applicable to where we are right now. He says, David Wells says, instantaneous knowledge from the internet is one thing. Learning to know God is something quite different. The knowledge of God is in fact a lifetime pursuit, not an instantaneous download. Can we set aside the impatience that the internet tends to breed and the habits of being distracted which our highly compacted modern lives create in order to focus on what really matters? I am confident that we can. I agree with him. I'm confident we can do this. We can all find a way to tame what distracts us from our pursuit of God. We can all teach ourselves to focus We can all untangle ourselves. I love that picture. Untangle ourselves from our appetite for instant results and immediate gratification. Okay, you're going to wake up tomorrow and do this. And you're not going to be immediately gratified probably. Takes time. Redirecting our minds in this way and learning to focus is a wondrously liberating thing. It allows us to untether ourselves from everything that wants to consume our attention, our energy, and even our soul. That's what Psalm 1 is saying. It frees us from the tyranny of the urgent. When we are thus untethered, we are free to be where we want to be. Where we want to be is before God. I love that quote. Can we untether ourselves? Can we untangle ourselves from everything that wants to distract us? Listen, we need to untether ourselves from what wants to consume our attention, our energy, and our soul so we can attach ourselves to Christ through His Word. So a couple practical things that we need to do. You have to have a plan for this. A plan to unplug, to silence the beeps of our phones, to read, to commune with the Lord through His Word and prayer. That's what our Heart for Scripture plan is all about this year. 
We want to untether ourselves. We want to be free to enjoy God. We want to commune with God. We want to have our minds renewed. We want to experience the blessed life that comes through knowing God this year. So what's your plan? Share it with somebody. Tell somebody else, here's the plan. Here's what I want to do. When each day are you going to meditate on God's word? Where are you going to do this? How are you going to untether yourself? Leave the phone in the other room. Find a place that's not distracting. Have God's word in front of you. I recommend a strong cup of coffee. It's a means of grace. Spend time in God's word, unhurried, undistracted. I love our Bible reading plans because it, it gives you a plan each day. Here's scripture. Here's the scripture to read for today. I also love Bible reading plans because I think it's important for Christians to read all the way through the Bible at some point. Because the Bible is quoting the Bible all the time. It's referencing the Bible. And the more you read God's word, the easier it is to understand sections of God's word. But here's the danger. The danger there's, there's all these benefits of a Bible reading plan. The danger is to just check the box and move on with your day. It's just to say, okay, got this many words, this many chapters. Check, 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 check. I love checking boxes, by the way. I put the boxes on the Bible reading plan because I'm a box checker. I just love it. I scratch it. I check it. I love it. And the danger is we just check the box for that day and we move on with our lives. See, the goal is not just to check the box. The goal is to commune with God and to know God. And so let me just encourage something real practical for you to help you meditate on God's Word. You, you open up, it's, it's Monday morning, you have your Bible reading plan, you got your coffee, you got your Bible, you begin reading through your plan for the week, your scriptures for the week. If you hit a section of scripture that is just singing to your soul, and you think, man, that is so applicable. I want to understand what that means. Oh, that's Man, it just hits you when you read it. The Spirit is using it. Stop. Linger there. Study it. Pray through it. Think about your day. Pray over it. Interact with God. Remind yourself of truths of who God is. Spend time enjoying God. You don't have to finish the Bible reading plan. We're not going to come to your house and see if you checked all the boxes. You know, that's not the goal here. You don't have to check the boxes. You could even... Read at night and finish your Bible reading later, but spend time enjoying God. Don't feel pressure to finish your reading for the day. That's not the goal to finish your reading. Your goal is to enjoy God, to allow God to speak to you through his word. Just stop, linger, meditate on God's word, okay? This week, I've been doing the Bible reading plan and uh, trying to just get a little bit ahead, give myself a little extra time. And I was reading through Exodus. And there's just two verses that just struck me where it was talking about the people groaning and crying out to God. And it said, God heard their groaning. And God remembered his covenant with Abraham and with Isaac and with Jacob. God saw them and God knew. That's how it ends. And I just thought about those four things. God heard. He hears us. God remembered his covenant. I thought about Christ, his blood. That he, God remembers his covenant in Christ. God saw them and God knew. And I just thought, I am ready for the day today 
if that's what I can think about today. It served me all day long thinking about those four truths about God. When you hit that moment, it's okay to stop and enjoy the Lord. I love how George Mueller thought about devotions. He said that the first great and primary business to which I attend to, must attend to every day was to have my soul happy in the Lord. That's the goal of Psalm 1. That's the goal of meditating on God's Word. I want my soul happy in the Lord. And look how George Mueller got there. This is what he says. He says, I saw that the most important thing I had to do was to give myself to the reading of the Word of God and to meditation on it. That thus my heart might be comforted, encouraged, warned, reproved, instructed. And that thus by means of the Word of God, whilst meditating on it, my heart might be brought into communion with the Lord. Our soul prospers when we are planted in the river of God's Word. Meditation plants us there. That's how we get there. Okay, our soul is blessed. I want the blessed life. I want to enjoy 2022. How do I get to the blessed life? I want to get by the river of God's Word. And the way to get there is to meditate on it. That's what Psalm 1 is teaching us this morning. And the fruit in Psalm 3, we just see the fruit of this. We're like a, a tree planted by streams of water. And we yield our fruit in season. Our leaves don't wither. And all that he does, he prospers. That's the goal. Soul prosperity. Charles Spurgeon says this. It is not, think about those resolutions we started with this morning. It is not outward prosperity which the Christian most desires and values. It is soul prosperity which he longs for. What if we come to the end of 2022 and our soul is prospering? What a joy that would be. What if we grew to new, know God better? Grow to enjoy him more, to be happier in the Lord, to have our souls happier in the Lord. That's something to resolve for. That's a goal to shoot for this year. And it's so simple. It's, all, it's not all these many things that we have to do this year. And this outward performance. It's planting ourselves by the river of God's word through meditation. And if we do that and we sit there. And we hear the Lord and we listen to him. And he ministers his grace and his truth to us. Our souls will prosper this year. Our soul prospers when we are planted by the river of God's word. Let's pray. Father, I do. I thank you for your word. Such a blessing that you have spoken to us by your spirit through your holy in errant word. And I pray for this church this morning, Lord. Pray for everybody here, everybody who's watching on the live stream. I pray that you would bless them this year, Lord. 
Bless them by speaking to them through your word. I pray they would enjoy hearing from you this year, Lord. I pray that you would fill them with your Holy Spirit as they open their Bibles this week, as they do their Bible reading plan, as they meditate on your word, God. I pray that you would encourage their souls, that they would find joy and gladness and happiness in knowing you, in knowing Christ, and being filled by your Holy Spirit, Lord. So we commit this year into your hands, O Lord. And we ask that you would meet with us, that you would commune with and encourage your people this year, Lord. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You've been listening to a message given by Mike Pluniak during a Sunday celebration service at Cornerstone Church of Knoxville. To find out more about Cornerstone Church of Knoxville, visit us at www.cornerstonechurchofknoxville.com or call our church office at 865-694-4356. We'd love to have you join us in our mission to treasure, grow in, and proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ.